Liz, did you happen to catch the Steve Harvey email that got leaked out last week? I caught it and caught it and caught it and caught it again, Larry. It is making the news. Apparently, they're getting ready to shoot season five of his show, and he sent an email to his staff. And I'm going to read it to you. He starts out. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. I'd like you to all review and adhere to the following notes and rules for season five. There will be no meetings in my dressing room. Well, wait, I can understand that. I try never to schedule meetings when I'm getting dressed. Fair enough. There will be no stopping by or popping in. No one. Do not come into my dressing room unless invited. <laughs> Do not open my dressing room door. Okay, here's what I recommend for this one, Steve. One of those bucket of water things Very rigged nice. over your dressing room door. Very that'll, nice. that'll make it stop. If you open my door, expect to be removed. My security team will stop everyone from standing at my door who have the intent to see or speak with me. I want all the ambushing to stop now, and that includes TV staff. You must schedule an appointment. I've been taken advantage of by my lenient policy in the past. This ends now. No more. Again, all caps. That is not good. He really means it, Larry. Hey, he's being super serious. He goes on. Do not approach me while I am in the makeup chair unless I speak with you directly. Either knock or use the doorbell. Who has a doorbell at work? Who has that a just doorbell? made me laugh. Doorbell? I'm going to get a doorbell, Larry. He's the man. Um, he goes on. I'm seeking more free time for me throughout the day. Do not wait in the hallway to speak with me. I hate being, here it is again, ambushed. Oh, that's a red flag. That's twice you said yep, ambushed. that's twice. Please make an appointment. I promise you I will not entertain you in the hallway. Do not attempt to walk with me. <laughs> if you're reading this, yes, I mean you. Everyone. Do not take offense to the new way of doing business. It is for the good of my personal life and enjoyment. Thank you all. Steve. All right. What do you think? I think for once, we've got somebody who's really clear on his personal boundaries. <laughs> From Wondery, this is I Hate My Boss, workplace drama, comedic relief. I'm Liz Dolan. And I'm Larry Seal. For those of you listening with kids, a quick heads up. There's some language in this episode you probably don't want them to hear. You know, Larry, we live in an age of illegal hacks, leaked emails, tell it to Steve Harvey, <laughs> and experiments in transparency at work that sometimes completely backfire. So this has made it even harder than it used to be to build trust and loyalty at work which, you know, I think is so much the fundamental building blocks of happiness at work, right? You bet. So this is what today's episode is about. We're going to talk about this from a lot of different angles. Later, we'll hear all about the mess all of this has created at pen and pencil. But, you know, we don't even need a fictional example to see how corrosive this can be. Just look at the impact of something like the Sony hack. Remember that? Yeah. And actually, for those of you who don't live in Los Angeles and aren't in the entertainment industry, this may not be as familiar to you. Liz, can you give us sure, a couple of sure. pieces of yeah. that? Yeah. So an organization that called itself Guardians of Peace, but we think was actually North Korea, got into their databases and did a major dump. So the folder for passwords at Sony was called Password. Uh, there were racist jokes from Brilliant. upper management. Oh, yeah. It was really, it made them look really dopey. There were racist jokes from management. There was bitching about stars like Angelina Jolie, who Scott Rudin called a minimally talented, spoiled brat. Okay. Oh. So, you know, you think it's funny until you think about what the impact of that level of complete transparency yeah. would have in your own organization. Imagine if there was a searchable database. Of every email you ever wrote, Larry. Oh, my God, no. I mean, the expectation that anything is private these days, I think, is complete. You've got to assume anyway. Yeah. It's completely gone. But, you know, something like that, that kind of personal information, it's just an unbelievable 
high level of distraction plus so trust busting. Yeah. And yet, on the other hand, part of me can't help but think it's a little bit of a Robin Hood complex here, like putting things out, shining light on it. It can uncover things that are unfair. Right. Sure. Or yeah. illegal or or just plain wrong. Sony's a good example of everything bad that could happen. So one of the things their hack revealed is that there were 17 U.S. employees at Sony making a million dollars or more. And only one of those was a woman. There were also two co-presidents of production at Columbia Pictures, Mike DeLuca and Hannah Mangella. Oh, let they, me guess. She got paid less than he did. A million dollars less than. Oh, so, my golly. So some of this is actually kind of helpful. Like there are companies that believe in being more transparent about salaries. I have mixed feelings about that. Mm -hmm. And then there are people, wasn't there a woman at Google who like put together her own list? People voluntarily gave their salaries to her and she put them in a database because she believed that daylight on this issue of who gets paid what is a way of addressing issues like gender discrimination or race discrimination. What do you think? Look, I get where that comes from because people are looking for fairness, right? They're looking to be treated fairly. They're looking to be able to say, especially, I'm looking to work for a place that is fair and does good things. So I get why people are doing that. I don't think they always think through all the implications of it because that's incredibly complex. You think it's, oh, I'm just doing it for this reason, and it has huge downstream impacts. Yeah. I mean, it seems so obvious at this point. I don't know how many headlines people have to see to just understand that whatever you put in an email could go everywhere. So why do we still see racist jokes why do we still see even bad-mouthing your colleagues? You sure. know, I'm sure we've all been in situations where somebody forwarded an email to us that had been forwarded a hundred times before it got to us. So there's this long chain, and buried down in there is just, like, mean, <laughs> judgmental, yep. awful things yep. about someone. Look, there's clearly still a lot of prejudice and hatred and bad things out there. But excluding that, human nature causes people's normal filters. If I'm looking at you in the eyes, I'm going to be measured about what I say and how I communicate for almost everybody. And when you're not looking them in the eyes, when you're talking to somebody else, when you're typing on a keyboard, there is just a tendency to say things you would never dream of saying were they in front of you. So is that your operational rule? That's sort of the the litmus test for you if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, never put it in an email? And in fact, I tell my clients, think about them sitting right in front of you and you saying it and they get to reply back to you. Do you want to have that conversation? No, right. And I would say the same thing is even when you're talking about a third party, once you press send, that is out there into the world. And if you have a beef with someone, you should go talk to them. Don't just email your other friends about it and badmouth them. That is, most of the time, it is damaging to your reputation, I think. Yeah, and frankly, the more visible you are, the more powerful you are, the more you're a target for somebody having a reason to take your communications and put them out there to try and embarrass you or spin them for their own advantage. And I think people who are high up in big companies, they're trained to think about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But now it's happening to everybody all the time. North Korea gets in there and dumps everyone's email on WikiLeaks, right. no matter who you are. I have very few people can withstand that level of scrutiny. You know, unless you've applied this filter, like, I still can't believe how many CEOs get fired because it's uncovered they're having, you know, an affair with right. the person in the travel department. 
Right. You know, like, I don't really care who you're sleeping with, but I do care that you're putting that in your email. Come on. Okay, so last week you talked about an exercise you often recommend for your clients who are on the verge of angry emailing, right? Yep. Where you say, write the email you would never send. Sure. The benefit of that is you get to have the emotional release. You get to have the experience of getting the frustration, the anger, the disappointment, the anxiety. You get to get it out in a productive way that does not impact anybody else. And it's productive because it helps you move through it. You clear that out of your system. You do not hit send. You Mm. do not even address it, by the way, unless you address it to yourself. And then you walk away from it. You can come back, you can read it, and almost always, about 80% of what it was in there, you look at it and go, oh, this would not serve. Yeah. And there may be a few nuggets in there that you think, you know what, that matters to me, I want to go talk about it. So take out the things that are overly emotional? Exactly. The judgments, the, con- yeah. you know, your lazy- Condescension. Oh, I am so good at that. <laughs> are, are you? Is that one of the skills you I'm a pretty good writer, Larry, so I can nice. condescend with the best of them when I want to. But- I try not to send. Take out all of that really laden stuff. But also, if you do have a lot of emotional stuff you need to work through with one of your colleagues, you can do that, right? You can walk down the hall. You can make an appointment. Like, it's not to say you have to never face up to whatever anger or issues you might have. Right. And look, things are moving so much quicker now. You know, people are sitting at their desks. They've got, I mean, email slow, right? They've got Slack. They've got other IM stuff going on. They're communicating back and forth with people all the time. And they're not giving as much attention to each individual communication. And then just because people are being friendly, they're being sarcastic. There isn't a person listening who can't say, oh, my God, I thought I was being funny. And it didn't go over that well. Yeah, not funny. Not when you read it from afar. (laughs) There's just so little nuance in text messaging. Yeah. I love the humor in communication, and I try to cover myself with smiley faces. (laughs) And then, you know, my clients are like, Dude, what's with the smiley faces? Stop already. <laughs> yeah. Well, I put the parentheses, ha, ha, ha. Oh, very. You know, so that's oh, my, way more sophisticated. That's my really sophisticated routine with this. Thank you for that. I mean, there's so much back-channel written communication in any company. You know, later on in this episode, Larry, you're talking to Janetta Wood from Ancestry.com, right? Yep. And it's about how trust in the workplace is built and broken. A lot of this is about how we communicate with each other. Let's check in with pen and pencil. Of course, they've got a mess on their hands. Ivan has posted all of the feedback that was in the office comment box on his personal blog. And tensions are running a little high. Ivan, why the hell would you leak all the comments from our comment box? I didn't leak it. I really made communications more transparent. Don't bullshit us, Ivan. You did it because you were feeling spiteful about what was said about you in the comments. You know what, Lisa? You wound me. I would never use my live journal out of spite. Who still uses live journal? <sighs> I will not use Tumblr. A Tumblr is a fancy glass. I must post on a journal that affirms life. A live journal. I don't care. Take it down now. But that's where I keep my haikus and my dream locks. Just the pen and pencil post, obviously. <sighs> Done. Good. Stacy, who wrote the story? Some small blog. It has a phone number for tips. Fine. I'll call and say that if they take it down, we'll give them an exclusive tour of the office. We can get a foosball table and an office tricycle and other hip shit millennials love. Well, it's about time. 
We're the only serious ad agency in New York without an office tricycle. You are still very much in hot water, Ivan. But hopefully in a couple of days, this will blow over. This is totally not blowing over. But I did as you asked. I took the post down two days ago. That's not how the internet works, Ivan. The screenshots are everywhere, clients are pissed. It's not just clients. Werner Westheimer emailed about this. I've never seen the word inefficient typed out so many times. So now the Germans are upset. But is that really so bad? Yes, Ivan, historically upset Germans are very, very bad. What? It can't be that bad. Jessica! Why am I not reading about it in the trades? What's up, Ivan? Jessica, have we received any questions from the press about the comment box? Let me check. And I'm confident she'll find nothing because no one cares about petty office politics. Let's put the work first and forget about such narcissism. Adgab wants to talk to Ivan. Wow, everyone reads Adgab and they want to talk to me. Oh, here I come. Putting the work first, huh? Here's the plan. Ivan, you're going to talk to them. Of course. And Stacy is going to coach you on what to say. What? How did this become my problem? You have a way with words that clearly Ivan does not, especially when he's riled up. Well, I'm great with words. I stuff people's ears full of words, and then they say, those are pretty good words. Ivan's a pretty good words guy. Jesus, case in point. You have to make sure that he doesn't take the agency down with his pretty good words. <sighs> so I'm expected to put all my other work on hold to babysit Ivan. Or get them to drop the story. These babysitting illusions are very hurtful. Shut, Shut up, Ivan! Ivan. Stacy, when do I get to talk to Adgab? You talking to Adgab is the last resort. First, I'm going to try to buy him off by inviting him to the office Christmas party. But we're going to have to have it somewhere really cool this year, like a submarine. No, no, no. I veto submarine. If you drink too much, there's no adequate place to puke. Okay. Shut up. I'm calling Dominic Taylor from Adgab. Oh, let me listen in. I want to know what I'm up against. Okay, but just let me do the talking. All right. This is Dominic. Hi, Dominic. This is Stacy Weissman from Pen and Pencil. How are you? How are we on the record? Um, no, not at the moment. Howard, what do you want? Well, first I want to say I love your work. Your articles and AdGam are my go-to for industry news. Okay, cut the crap. You want me to drop the story about Ivan Mercado? Well, let me guess. You're going to flatter me and then invite me to your crappy holiday party aboard a submarine or something? <laughs> oh, nothing like that. Yeah, maybe you could silence bloggers, Stacy, but I'm a journalist, okay? Now, your Argentine buddy, he's up. I am Brazilian, not some arrogant lying Argentine. They can take their rancid beef and shove it up their ass. Oh, hey, Ivan, can't wait to chat. I'll have my office reach out to set up a time. Bye. What happened to letting me do the talking, Ivan? He called me an Argentine. I'd rather be called a Bolivian, for God's sake. Well, you're definitely doing the interview now, Hotshot. You ready to start coaching? <sighs> Let's do this. Okay. I'll ask questions I expect Dominic will ask. Did you leak the confidential comment box to get vengeance against employees who disliked you? It is not vengeance to let the truth be known. No! How about... I was trying to improve our communication with each other, but now I realize it was too forthright. Well, that just sounds like a prepared statement. Yes, it does. That's the idea here. Now, how do you answer the accusations that you steal ideas from your employees? Oh, I am the creative director. I direct the creative, so the ideas are ultimately mine. Hmm? 
Or I approve of all of our ideas, so a little bit of me gets into everything we pitch. Uh, our pen and pencil copywriters and artists are irreplaceable. Stacy, that's not my truth. It withers a soul to live a life of dishonesty. Ivan! You work in advertising. You spin dishonest bullshit for a living. Why can't you do this? Stacy, you have given me a spark of inspiration. Matt! Jessica! Please meet us in the conference room in 15 minutes. Ivan, come on. I do not spin dishonest bullshit, but I am very good at facilitating it. So wait, you brought Jessica and I in here to brainstorm on what you should say to the reporter at AdGab. Yes. Pretend that pen and pencil is a client of ours. Just as we help our clients, let us help ourselves. And by ourselves, I mean me. Help me. Please help me. So let's spitball. Why did Ivan release the comment box? Because he has a vendetta against people who complain about him. Oh, or he thought he was emailing it to HR, but he's so bad at computers he posted to his blog instead. Ooh, ooh, ooh. maybe he's writing a tell-all book about the agency world. Oh, yeah. So he put it on the internet hoping a publisher would find it. Uh, all of these ideas make me sound very petty and stupid. Oh, okay. You want us to spin this like it's a good thing? Um... Uh... Maybe we could... Um... Let me think a good no. thing here. Nothing? Come on, guys. Brainstorming is about catching lightning in a bottle. If this is any kind of storm, it's a shit storm, and one that doesn't have to do with me. Yeah, me neither. Just tell the truth, Ivan. Tell him you were being petty and let us get back to work. Guys, if we do that, Dominic Taylor will eat us for breakfast. Hang on. You're talking to Dominic Taylor? You know him? From Tinder. Yeah, we dated for a while. Well, dating's a bit strong. We, uh... You know. Went downtown to Bone Town a few rounds. Oh, yeah. For our third date, he insisted we eat at some fancy restaurant where if you cancel a reservation, they charge you a fee. Then he never showed up. I ended up eating a $30 bowl of soup alone. That dude's a dick. Would you be okay with sending along any emails or Tinder messages you had with him during that time? I've got an idea. Wait, you want all of them? I mean, there's, there's some personal stuff in there. You know what? I'll just give you the ones you need. Hey, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, will do. Stacy, Lisa wants to see you. Oh, thank God. Great. Let's focus on the task at hand. Making me look good. You wanted to see me, Lisa? Yes, I did. Also, we've got Jonathan and Dee Penn on the speakerphone. Hello, Stacy. Hello, Dee. Where are you guys on your travels? The eastern coast of Madagascar. It's magnificent. There's a conspiracy of lemurs not far from the boat. They're all going, abu, abu. Oh, they heard me. They think I'm one of them. Abu, abu. That's great, Jonathan. Also, we wanted to talk business. The mess with Ivan. Let me assure you that we have it under control. Stacy, if the news has reached us on a boat in the Indian Ocean, you don't have it under control. It's time to fire Ivan. D. Like it or not, Ivan's creative vision is what W.W. paid for. I don't think you can let him get away with releasing confidential company material. Don't you agree, Jonathan? Oh, honey, you know, I back you up 100% in whatever you do. Oh, my God, he's swimming over to the boat. Abu, abu, abu. I respect your opinion, Dee, but you don't work here anymore, so it may be hard to know what's best on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you'd better find a fall guy of some kind for the sake of the company. Clients won't sign with an agency where their secrets can so easily be made public. That's actually a good point. I'll find a fall guy. Thanks for the suggestion. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Say goodbye, Jonathan. I'm the king of the lemurs!
I'm impressed. The way that you just shut D down, that was a very me kind of move. We don't work for D Pen. We work for Lemur Boy. <laughs> I'm not taking notes from some meddling non boss. <laughs> well said. But you better find that fall guy you promised her. I didn't agree to that. That's on you. No worry. I've got someone in mind. Mm. Okay, Ivan. Big day. Dominic's in the lobby. You ready? I was born ready, Stacy. I'm a natural conversationalist. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. So I put a baby monitor in your office. I'll jump in if the interview goes off the rails. Is a baby monitor truly necessary? Yes, it is. Now don't screw this up. Ivan, Dominic Taylor, thanks so much for taking the time to explain your huge mistake to me. Yeah, well, it was more of a misunderstanding than a mistake, but... Mm, passing the buck, just like every other Argentine I know. You shut your damn mouth, you tiny piece of garbage! I am Brazilian! If you call me an Argentine one more time, I will use capoeira to kick your face in! Okay, 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 didn't even need the baby monitor. That just went off the rails immediately. Ivan, Ivan, take a walk. Sao Paulo is a world-class city! Walk. Okay, Dominic, first, this is off the record. Second, recognize these. These are printouts of my personal emails from Matt Starr. And screenshots of our Tinder exchanges. How the hell did you get these? Matt works here. You didn't know that? No. Ugh. He's even more pathetic than I thought. Around the time you were seeing Matt, you also wrote several posts that were complimentary of pen and pencil. In fact, you didn't write anything bad about us until you stopped seeing Matt. Someone might think you were biased. That was a coincidence. That's not what it looks like to me. Or what it'll look like to your employer. Or everyone else in the quote-unquote New York media elite. Okay, fine. All right. What do you want? I want you to drop the story. I can't. My editor is depending on it. Maybe I can help, I don't know, smooth it over for you. Just tell me what I should say. After an internal review, we realized that one disgruntled ex-employee wrote all the comments. We want to protect her identity, so let's just use the initial D. She was trying to stir up drama in the office when we realized that any tensions in the office quickly dissipated. Ah, uh, okay, but if one person faked all the comments, why did Ivan publish them? He thought Live Journal was private, like an actual journal. You can tell because he's got other embarrassing stuff like dream logs and haikus up there. He's just tech illiterate. End of story. Yeah, I guess I can work with that. Okay, great. Ivan, sorry for any. Misunderstanding? Of course. You too, Dominic. Well, that went well. Are you kidding? I was listening the whole time. You called me an idiot. Where's your sense of loyalty? Dee wanted to fire you. I couldn't appreciate your loyalty more. Thank you for helping this idiot. Oh, Larry, Larry, Larry. Where do we even begin with these people at pen and pencil? Oh, my gosh. Ivan <laughs> has opened up a Pandora's box that nobody's going to appreciate. You know, I was thinking about the whole issue of personal blogs where you post things about your workplace. This is a, a complicated one for me because people do have a right to write these things if they want. Right. You know, you get to express yourself. I just don't totally understand why you would do it. Not Ivan. Ivan is crazy, but like a normal person. I just think it has the tendency to make your work life so much more complicated. Yep. I I do not recommend it. 
Well, and Liz, I think this goes back to the notion of using writing as an expression of clearing out emotions yeah, yeah. or, or uh-huh. thoughts, right? I mean, think about all the people that journal. Would you journal online? I would not, no, right? No. Which is what blogging is. Well, that's is. what Ivan thought he was. He thought he was just journaling. That yes, he had not. his dream journal and, <laughs> yes. and and all of that. So it shows his judgment is a little lapsed mm-hmm. anyway. But I think people use it as a natural, healthy expression. But man, oh man, putting it out there, you can't be naive anymore about the fact that anybody could see that yeah. at any time. You know, and I think that Twitter also just encourages people to say a lot of snarky things yep. or to spill if they have a good line they want to get off. And That's right. maybe they didn't say it in the meeting the way they wanted to. So oh, I'll just tweet that out. One time I was at a company where I had to talk to a vendor of ours. She was doing some creative work for us, but then tweeting about it on her personal account. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it was confidential. I just didn't think that was very professional to do anyway. And our boss was Oprah. So please don't be tweeting about Oprah. <laughs> Oprah, doesn't, just, Oprah doesn't appreciate that's that. That's just going to bring it down on all of us. Yes. You know? so, but anyway, she was totally understanding when I called her and I said, hey, I need you to stop the side channel about stuff we're doing at yeah. work. That is not going to work out there in the world. All right. Another thing that came up at Pen and Pencil is D calling in to give advice and then, you oh, know, man. have you ever had a client or have you ever experienced this yourself where someone who doesn't have an official role in the company is still trying to provide direction? That's a sticky one, especially in this case, because she's married to the actual boss. Where I see this happen most often is in smaller companies with founders. Yeah. And one founder kind of moves off to the side and might just be on the board of directors or they're in an unofficial capacity, but they can't help themselves from walking in. They sit on meetings. They comment on strategy. Sometimes they actually get themselves copied on email chains and kind of helpfully, in air quotes, helpfully weigh in on things, and it creates chaos because people are thinking, who the heck am I supposed to listen to here? I know we had this call from Rebecca a number of weeks ago. She sort of had that problem with a new wife of her yeah, that's of right. her longtime boss. But what do you tell someone to do about that? I mean, in the case of pen and pencil, of course, they're just awful to each other. Yeah. This is not the behavior we're recommending. She's trying to embarrass the whatever. But in a smaller business, in a family business, or in any business where Somebody that doesn't have an official role starts to encroach and and direct. That is a highly frustrating environment to be in. We've talked about the fact that one of the most important things to help people be successful is having clarity of what's expected of me, what are we trying to accomplish. And it is so easy, all well-intended even, right, Mm -hmm. with no Machiavellian interest here, that people weigh in and they muddy the waters with, oh, and make sure you think about this and make sure you pay attention to that. It's really confusing for people, especially people down the chain who weren't involved in the immediate conversation. Another thing I want to go totally on record as saying, based on this week's episode, I'm against blackmail in the workplace. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, are, you, are you with me on that one, Larry? I, like, I, I that, mean, is this blackmail that benefits me? <laughs> uh, no, no. I, am not, I am not behind it at all. And I got to tell you, I had a weird feeling as I was listening to this because I was laughing through this, but I had kind of that, uh, the Germans have the word schadenfreude, mm-hmm. I think is how you pronounce it, right? Which is enjoying the suffering of others. I was just watching this all explode and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is awful. And oh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> it's... I, I think there was a really risky move at the end, which is D, employee D wrote those emails and, and put stuff out there. That was a risky move. That was bold. Yeah, that's not going to 
turn out well. That's that's I, not going to work out well I, for Stacy, I think. No. But all of this about communication between employees and, you know, how do people really trust each other? I'm just trying to think through, like, what managers can really do to create an environment of trust. In my own experience, by modeling open, honest conversation, not sort of back-channel sniping, making sure that you're not speaking ill of a yep. absent third party in front of the people that are on your team. It's kind of the basics, right? Yeah. Open, honest, direct, but doing so with a little tact and grace, right? That's not, hey, I'm just being honest and then you're a jerk, but open, honest, and direct. And then that's where you add in the really killer ingredient, humility. You know what? I messed oh. up. You know what? I didn't do that as well as I should have. You know what? That's my bad. Yeah. People love you for owning your mistakes and knowing they can count on you to be full of integrity. Well, I know that now we're, we're going to talk to someone who has some real life examples for us at our own company. Our guest today is Janetta Wood. She is the vice president of people at Ancestry.com. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. Jeanette, I think you have worked in HR in large companies for kind of dangerously close to the last two decades. That is correct. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, especially with regard to the whole pen and pencil notion. What do you think of anonymous comment boxes? <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with anonymous comment boxes uh, for a couple of reasons. I think that you can get some really good information, sometimes stuff that you would have never seen or heard before, but sometimes you get information that isn't particularly actionable which is unfortunate. So you'll get just enough to know there's an issue. So what's an example of that? Like something you might hear in a comment box that's not, you, you, you can't actually really do much with it. Things that are not specific enough around a particular person. So, you know, you'll hear about a situation with a manager, but it's in such broad terms that you're not actually able to figure out which manager it is or which team it is. It's just, you know, something like this person is a terrible manager and they're doing things to undermine their employees at all turns. And it's so generic that you don't know what on earth that means or who it is or where to dig in or what to do with it. I think in the pen and pencil example around the, the comment box specifically, it's interesting that it's the opposite where people do have information and it's specific enough that they try to use it against someone else or they try to use it for their own benefit. And I've, I've seen that happen a couple of times too. Knowledge is power, if you will. So people happen to know a certain tidbit or detail about something and then they'll use it against someone else to further themselves in some way, which is, you know, antithetical to building trust, I would recommend do not say anything about someone who's outside of that room that you wouldn't say if they were sitting right in front of you. Cuts down on gossip, if you will, and using that knowledge as power. It's it's just cutting straight to the heart of being a straightforward person and having integrity. And that shows to the people in the room and they don't walk away thinking, oh my gosh, that person is gossiping or saying things about so-and-so who's not here. What are they saying about me when I walk out of the room? That's kind of the inevitable next step, right, is right. what do they say about me when I'm not here? Exactly. If you can keep that in mind, then you are circumventing that entire process. I love the simplicity and the truth of that piece of advice. Here's my question. Why do people do that? Why do people say things in front of others in a way that they wouldn't if I'm sitting right there? I think sometimes they're trying to actually, ironically, garner trust and to say, hey, we both have this common person that bugs us. 
let's just bond over that. Let's mm. dish a little bit. Let's talk that through. And it's not really respectful or building trust in the long run, in my opinion. Let's talk about companies for a minute, because part of your job is representing organizations in a way that, that creates trust with employees. What have you seen over maybe the last 10 or 15 years? What have you seen that companies are doing that are really smart? What are they, what are they leaning into and paying attention to? I think from a policy perspective, the thing that I would highlight the most is really around um, family values and putting families first, or at least acknowledging that the employees would like to do that, and that's in leave policies, so specifically around new parent reintegration. So there's a lot of companies now that are mirroring some of our European compatriots and letting people take much more time off than they are legally allowed to take off by federal law, which is lovely. And a lot of it is paid. And that makes a big, big difference. So that builds a ton of loyalty. And I would think the other benefit of that is it actually expands the talent pool because you don't lose parents who highly value being with their children, especially in those first few years, if you make it easier for them to step away and then come back and fulfill their professional needs. And it can be really, really difficult during the first few months, you know, when you're trying to get back into the swing of things and just having that much additional extra amount of support from your company makes all the world a difference. And yeah, talk about loyalty building. Yeah. You are going to have a person who's going to stay probably years longer than they might have otherwise. If there was a change that you would make in the way companies work with employees, the way they create environments that you think would have the biggest impact in enhancing trust and loyalty in the workplace, what would you love to do if you could control it? I honestly think it really comes down to interpersonal individual relationships. So if there's some way that people can build more, it sounds a little hokey, but quality into their interactions with one another, mm -hmm. I think that goes a long, long way. And so I think it starts with the CEO, quite frankly, and the senior leadership, because I've seen that where it's worked really well before someone's modeling the behavior that they want other people to exhibit. And it just, it catches on like wildfire. I'm not saying that it's 100% at all times. Nobody's perfect. Sure. But it starts there. You know, you have to have the support from the top. And sadly, that doesn't always happen. Can you tell me a little bit more about what really makes for an incredibly high quality interaction relationship? Honestly, everybody's a little bit different, but I think there are some baseline things that you can do to not have a quality interaction. And it's things like a lot of people come to meetings with their laptops and they spend a ton of time, even in one-on-one -on -one situations, looking at their screen and not paying attention to the other person, not making eye contact. That sounds super simple, but it happens. I see it every single day. Sure. Or even just small screens. They've got their phones in their hands. Um, so not doing that, that would be quality. You know, your body language and the way that you either mirror or block when you're talking with someone. Give me an example of that. If you're not really respecting what the other person is saying, then you are crossing your legs or crossing your arms mm. or there's some nonverbal stuff that does involve your voice and your breath. So you're sort of sighing. That doesn't lead to a very great quality interaction when someone feels like you're not saying whatever it is you're thinking, but you're frustrated by them in some way. Sure. And then on the flip side, quality eye contact with someone where you're leaning in and you actually look interested in what they're saying. It's so basic. 
but it goes a long, long way. One of the biggest complaints I hear from people when I'm getting feedback on the people they work with is they don't feel heard, they don't feel listened to, they don't feel cared about. And when you say, well, what does that look like behaviorally? What people will often say is exactly what you just said. They don't look at me, they're multitasking, they're doing something else. And guess what? I know they wouldn't do that to other people that they frankly took more seriously or were more invested in the relationship. And the fact that they do it to me doesn't send a very good message. I see this in group settings and I see it in one-on-ones too. You can almost visibly, the person's vibrating just waiting on their turn to speak. So they're not actually listening. They're just waiting to talk. And sometimes that means someone's jiggling their foot or they're tapping their fingers. So it's other cues right along the same lines of what you were just mentioning. So Jeanette, if you think about things that companies, employers have done that has eroded trust with their employees, what are some examples you think of? I have one that's actually a little recent, so I will try to protect the anonymous or the somewhat innocent in this situation. Probably 10 to 15 people out of a group of 40 were told that their roles were going away because it was project-based work and the project was coming to a close. And roughly 12 hours after they received the news, there was this big, hurrah, exciting referral drive that came down from on high saying, hey, we're hiring, we've got a great new slot of roles in this other department, and we want to get your referrals, and there are referral bonuses coming, and we really respect all of the employees of our company and all of the great people that they can bring into us. There was just a big disconnect, and Ugh. it could have been handled so much more elegantly, and it just, it wasn't. There was no thought put into those particular individuals. And it's things like that. Uh, that's such a great example. I, you know, I was doing a little bit of research before. Forbes actually put out a list of the top 10 things that companies do that destroy trust and teamwork. And a couple of things that were on that list, exactly in line with what you just said, you kind of don't treat people like grown-ups and adults. One of the ones that I see a lot, I think you do too, is forced ranking of employees when you look at performance. So one person's here and somebody else either has to be above them or below them doesn't necessarily create a lot of trust between people. Yeah. And I think it also sets up competition that can be very unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. Janetta, thank you, my friend. Sure thing. I owe you dinner. <laughs> that sounds good. You know what always strikes me about this when you're talking about trust and loyalty and really creating a positive work environment the steps are really so simple. There's not some magic bullet here. There's not some like, oh, you've never thought of this before. Maybe you should be honest with each other. or Maybe you should make sure you have good communication. I really appreciate the way she sort of stepped through just some fundamentals of like eye contact is underrated, people. I know exactly what she's describing. Rooms full of people where everyone is looking down at you their bet. phone the entire time. And I am grateful to be in meetings where people institute policies like you all have to leave your phones at the door or no laptops at the table. Like, I just think we have got to get back to addressing those things because the meetings are wildly unproductive. Let's admit it. Yep. <laughs> no, nobody's getting anything done right. if they've got one eye on their email and the other eye on some bloviator at the front of the room. Yeah, I've literally sat in a room with someone I'm coaching and they're supposed to be listening and they're on their phone. And I have literally picked up my phone and texted them, get off your damn phone. <laughs> and then you see them go, whoops, <laughs> and their head pops up Busted. and they're paying attention. And then, yes, I yell at them afterwards.
And look, one of the things that can make this complicated is some people have trouble making eye contact. There are people who are on the autism spectrum and other things that makes it very, very difficult. The good news is I think workplaces are getting far more accepting of people who have different approaches to communicating and being out loud about that and just sharing with their team, look, this isn't always easy for me, but I'm going to do my best. I think people really appreciate it. I guess the part I hadn't seen so directly is the link to building trust. Yeah. You know, it just seems inefficient and stupid and annoying to me. But she's right that it leads to a much bigger, more important thing, which is that we know each other. We communicate better with each other. We have a level of personal understanding. You know, that's kind of a... That's a big idea for as simple as it is. Yeah, Human beings want to be valued. And in the workplace, one of the most important ways you can make people feel valued is make them feel heard, yeah. which means you actually have to listen to them. Simple. That's a revelation. Duh. <laughs> Light bulb it moment. ain't rocket surgery, people. People will feel heard if you hear them. <laughs> people will feel heard if you listen to them. <laughs> okay, there you have it. Today's blinding revelation. The fundamentals still apply. You know what? And it's soothing to me, Liz. It's soothing to me that the truths about how human beings work well together and interact well together are the same simple things that we've been hearing for generations. We're just as human in the office as we are out of the office. Yeah. So like all the stuff that applies with your friends and your family and around a dinner table, it applies in a meeting room too. Just a little bit of human contact goes a long way. We're all people, people. All right. Well, if you have a workplace problem you need help with, send it our way. We are here for you. And remember, we're working on an upcoming episode specifically about dealing with sexual harassment. So if you have a story you're comfortable sharing with us, we are here to listen to that. You can email us. We're I hate my boss at Wondery.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook at I hate my boss show. And of course, you can always call us. That number is 424-224-5711. And thank you for all your five-star reviews. It's so exciting. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Go to our show page, click reviews, then write a review. If you're not in the mood for writing, really, just give us the five stars. Just five. This episode was hosted by Liz Dolan, Boss Emeritus and Satellite Sister, and me, Larry Seal, CEO and founder of Engage Leadership. The comedy segment was written by Amanda Meadows, directed by Drew DeFonso Marks and edited by Misha Stinn. Ivan was played by Eddie Santiago, Stacy by Karen Bond, Lisa by Julie Brister, Jessica by Ego Wodim, Matt by Justin Michael, Chuck by Spike Spencer, Jonathan by Jim Maskeman, D by Stephanie Shea. The original theme song was composed by Martin Blanco. Produced by Cerise Castle, special consultant Julia Smith, executive producer Jeffrey Glazer, created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy. But you don't have to. 